Hi everyone, the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in the following podcast belong solely to the host and its contributors. They are not necessarily the views of our employers, organizations, committees, or other group or individual. I'm David Campbell. And I'm Joseph Whitney. This is Brewing with BIM. Where we talk about construction processes, technology, BIM, and beer. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Brewing with BIM. I'm Joe Whitney, and as always with me is Dave Campbell and Jordan Bolek. What's going on, fellas? Hey, hey Joe. Hey, David. Hey, Joey. Good to be back. Uh, sure. Great great to hear you guys' voices. I feel like it's only been, what, like two hours? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but before we get into the nitty-gritty, let me ask, what are you drinking? Uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and hit that one first. So... I actually, uh, I got, I got a starter and then I got one on deck. I got a gumball head from three Floyd's. Your, uh, your picture from earlier, dude, I was just, I was thinking about it and I was like, man, I wonder if I have any gumball head in my, in my, in my fridge. And I started looking around and I, I had one lone beer in the back of my beer fridge. That was a, a gumball head. So decided to start it out there and then go with, uh, go with the, the, the old trusty, you know, the yinglings. Now, I currently have nothing on deck at the moment. Uh, definitely been one of those busy days where you just keep running and running and don't seem to stop. So what about you, Joey? I am drinking Killa Pills. I, uh, I sent, as David mentioned earlier, I sent him a, a picture of some three Floyds. They're making their way into PA. They had this uh, sample pack. Uh, um, I you know, almost bought it, but I was already on the way out of the store. And I was like, oh, that would have been great on this episode because – David's, uh, a, you know, they're from Meridian, Indiana, or something like Muncie, Indiana. I don't know, somewhere in Muncie, Indiana, right? Indiana, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Something with <laughs> yeah. an M in Indiana, right? Middle of nowhere, Indiana. I don't know, dude. Uh, <laughs> I'm offending people here. I should stop. No, uh, so I'm drinking some Killa Pills. Uh, for those of you guys that don't know, it's uh, Voodoo Brewing Company uh, from Meadville, Pennsylvania. There is a uh, chance that they are going to be a neighborhood brewery for me now. Um, the local brew pub is in talks with them to take over. So it'll be quite fascinating if that goes through. Yeah. Nice. Nice. So Joe, what, uh, what, what, what were we going to start on? What was the topic of the night? You know, man, everybody's chatting about chat GPT and talking about all the questions they asked. And we've been seeing a few headlines around AI and automation. And then you and I have been having ridiculous conversations lately all about this sort of stuff figured you know what man let's start there and see where the afternoon takes us i like it dude i like it i mean i'm gonna tell you chat gpt is a very very cool idea um i've gotten to play with it a little bit i did not want to pay into it i don't i don't like the pay to play methods just yet just because i don't know anything about it well as much about it you know in terms to make it uh make it valuable you know what i mean well Actually, I, I guess in all reality, I did see a huge piece that made it valuable for me, and that was with with coding. Um, one way to test it, and that was our you know other topic of, of today, but integrations here to test it. Um, I was curious if it could give me um, the code in in Ruby for how to access the Autodesk Construction Cloud Document Management API. And you know what? This thing typed out the entire script that I would need to use 
uh, to connect to it. It was, it was kind of nuts, man. It was cool to see. Um, I did realize, you know, it's something that they are working on. I wasn't able to run more than like a couple of tests. And then when I, when I go back, uh, I constantly, well, I'm not going to say constantly, but a lot of the times I'll see that they're busy, you know, and you, you, the servers are full. They can't take another person, but, uh, man, every once in a while I get in there and it's, it's pretty cool. I mean, the idea of it in all reality to, to me is amazing because a lot of times we don't know what we don't know. I mean, that's a common thing, right? Imagine asking somebody like that. I mean, it, it's, it's almost like, you know, Google, it's almost like Google, but for pretty much anything and it'll give you actual data, actual usable data. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little jealous, man. I have not been able to get into it just yet. Um, I feel like it, it'll uh, solve some problems for us, especially when we're talking about low code, no code solutions where we want to um, be able to integrate things, uh, mainly common data environments as it be, you know, you and I chat about this quite a bit. Everybody, and this is a big annoyance for us now is the phrase common data environment, almost as bad as digital twin, right? Um, and bridging <laughs> the gap and yeah. all of them, man, they're all, they're all uh, drink words now. But uh, common data environment seems to become, you know, this this new thing where, oh, yeah, we've got a common data environment. Well, what does that actually mean? All that means is you have your siloed information. There's some people you play friendly with and you're trying to own full stream. And, you know, we're beholden to uh, specific common data environments that we get to play with pretty frequently. But what does that mean for somebody else in a different segment? So our common data environment needs to talk to their common data environment. Well, instead of learning, you know, all about the site development kits and languages and all that sort of stuff. I feel like ChatGPT or something similar could come along and help us out. Oh, I definitely agree. I mean, I, I don't know. There's there's so many things out there. I feel like we've seen MailChimp. Um, I use Workato, but I've seen... Well, well seen Mail, MailChimp of... is just for email. Like, so it automates yes. email. Like, we've used it in the past. I've used it. Uh, I used to own a marketing company years ago uh, when I had, you know, Dream and ambitions of being an entrepreneur uh, and I didn't know what all that entailed um, I, so we use MailChimp to automate emails and, and all that sort of stuff and it's a great platform nothing against it um, but it's kind of limited to that kind of space oh yeah I agree I agree but we see you know MailChimp there's what is it Postman I think it is is it Postman um, there's there's a few other applications out that we're starting to see like I, I actually saw an advertisement for MailChimp on I think it was during the Super Bowl um, or, or football game. I, I, I can't remember which one exactly at this point, but I saw a commercial on it and I was like, oh man, that's pretty cool where it's getting to be more and more mainstream. Now MailChimp has been around for a while, um, but I'm starting to see more and more of these low to no code environments, like enabling people to set up workflows without having to actually get in and, and, and down and dirty with the code of it. Um, I think, I think, dude, I think that's super, super, um, I want to say valuable in the sense of you give people like the normal everyday Joe, the capability to make an integration without having to actually know the ins and outs of the API, just knowing where they want to connect the data and how. So there's, there's a lot of automation tools out there, I guess. Mm -hmm. especially for marketing and sales, like they've existed. How do you reach masses amounts of people with limited amounts of resources? So 
we've kind of always had that. Those are the more uh, easy yet mundane tasks to automate. Oh, yeah. So yeah. we've seen those with MailChimp. Um, there's another one for like LinkedIn where and you'll know it right off the bat just by the generic emails you get. But uh, there's like an automation <laughs> where they set up, you know, who they the specific uh, filters by job titles or uh, buzzwords or um, you know whatever, and it'll send them an email or a notification, and then you can program it to say, hey, and you know at this time if they haven't responded by next amount of days at this time, send them another one, and then you know so on and so on, and you can yeah. even populate with links and data. Anyways. That stuff's always been around, but what we're trying to solve are complex, non-structured uh, um, scenarios, right? So uh, data that is structured is easy to automate, meaning yep. if I have an SQL database and I want to search for something, as long as I'm searching by rows, columns, you know, giving mm -hmm. basic commands, all that sort of stuff, it's relatively quickly. Now, you want to do the same thing where you're going to search for a string of texts or search through uh, last amounts of data. Anyways, you're almost better at writing an optimization script, usually yes. something like Python to sort through your data. Um, it's much faster. It, you know, structured data. You could create it like data. a lookup table or something like that that you can frequently go ahead and start querying or look up against. Yes, you're completely right, man. And yeah, I think, well, oh, go ahead. I was going to say what we're going to end up with in a few years is everybody is going to end up with, especially as we first get our feet wet in the low code, no code environments, is everybody's going to end up with data lakes with unstructured data, not know how to pull them, have grandiose ideas, and then, you know, falter in some capacity. And it's going to take somebody, maybe something like ChatGPT to come along and, uh, you know, advanced level, next level, whatever, well, to come and actually really push us to to get these integrations right and in sync and, and all that sort of stuff. I but. think I think those are another tool that we can integrate with. In all reality, I mean, you and I talk, I mean, we had him on our podcast a while ago, right? Um, uh, Alice Technologies. And I feel like we talk about him, uh, Renee from Alice, about, at least once a week. We talk about Renee so much, yes, dude, because, I mean. All I'm good things, still, Renee, all good things. All good things, man, definitely. All good things. I mean, I, I am still thrilled by the idea of what he and his software can do um i mean like you said dude we're talking about it at least once a week but that that to me is another type of integration that a lot of people aren't even thinking about right now you know a lot of people are trying to get connections to their erp to their scheduling software to you know take off to this and that you know trying to make the data points connect which is is very very you know we need that obviously because like you said unless you're doing that your data is left in silos or these these kind of pieced out lakes that are spread apart but where i really really start to see the value is bringing ai and letting it have its way with that data and essentially giving giving us you know our, let, let's say we'll, we'll establish parameters at first right because you're going to throw a whole bunch of data at AI and it's going to say, what, what do you want me to do with this? So in, in this sense, you know, with, with Renee's company, with Alice Technologies, they give them a focus to analyze the data for the construction, like the schedule and analyzing how we can improve um, or keep that schedule based on, you know, the different activities or based on the construction progress itself. I mean, in all in all reality, dude, that's huge. Being able to analyze our data. I mean, you think about the the AI that we have, like 
Matt, I, I don't know if you guys play Madden NBA 2K or anything like that much, but you know, they have Madden AI, they have Madden kind of simulate a lot of the seasons and they'll have Madden simulate like the Super Bowl and stuff like that. They'll use AI to determine some, you know, hey, who's going to win this year or this or that. Um, is it AI or is it predictive analytics? Because there's a huge difference and we don't often differentiate the two. Predictive I, analytics I are like giving it certain criteria and it, it allowing to, you know, it analyzing that data to come to a conclusion. Uh, AI is is cognitive thinking on a you know on a computer. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a very very good point, Joe. That's a very very good point. Um, because AI, I mean, predictive analytics, like you said, it's it's to predict a common goal or predict this endpoint. Artificial intelligence, I mean, yes, it's something something completely different, but I mean, it can look at so many different. Um, but it does it by itself. That's the, the that's data. the key thing. Yes. Is it does it by itself. You feed it all the data, and then it draws its own conclusions. If it sees that it needs to write a new code to fill something in, it does that. That's AI. That's that's it thinking for itself and acting for itself. Maybe maybe it asks you before to act, but at least it thinks for itself. Predictive analytics are you feeding it a data and giving it um, almost like a schema or uh, something that you wanted to determine and it'll only determine that it's not going to be like uh, it's not going to go through um, a list of all player stats for the year and then ultimately come out and say you know uh, this player was actually limping in game three he might have a torn you know left ACL or whatever you know there's it's none of that like mm -hmm. it's totally different it's it's just uh, following the, the set goal that you had given it yeah, dude, I, I feel like there's so much that we could learn from that, but so much that that we can enable in all reality. I mean, well, we well, it's not that we can learn; times, it's that we can it can it we can teach it, and then from it us teaching it, it can learn to or it can it can act, and that's the big thing is use our knowledge. There is nothing more, um, I don't know. Uh, I had a a, a doctor from one of the local colleges or local uh, um, hospital systems come and talk. He was a neurologist about uh, human brain and a bunch of other stuff to uh, um, uh, an event I was at. And what he said blew my mind. He said that the human brain can hold like a third of the internet, um, yet it runs on only 12 watts of power, meaning it is the most um, efficient and data-rich resource that has ever existed for its size. AI will never get to that level, or I mean, you can't say never, but it's nowhere near that. But if it can learn from us, if it can create neural pathways itself to act the way our brains do and learn the information, yes. like we give the information, dude, that's that's huge. Sorry, man, I know I'm talking over you, just a little passionate, and maybe it's no, the killer bills. No, no, no. <laughs> no, dude, I love it. I do. I mean, because I, I, I mean, when I when I think about when I think about AI. Um, a lot of times, yeah, I mean, I, I, I would agree that um, it's going to essentially, you know, give us its opinion. It's going to analyze all of the data, right? That's really what, what we're looking at here is trying to analyze all the data and make the best decisions for the project moving forward. And, you know, in terms of us teaching it, yes. See, that's the other thing. I mean, I could kind of go both ways on that because, I mean, I think, yes, we obviously have to teach it because 
AI by itself is it doesn't know anything. It has to be programmed, it has to be taught. You got to put a lot of that, those data examples into it so it can learn from there. But I feel like at the same time, if we can start to release that or, you know, have something like that for the general public or for, you know, let's say the, the different things that we do in our everyday lives, even if we're just trying to make a connection, I think there, there is going to be ways is what I'm going to say. There are going to be ways to learn from that technology, but it has to be programmed first. So, so I, I'm on uh, team Elon and we haven't heard from Jordan yet. So I'll give him a second after this. Um, I'm on team Elon on this, like where, where Hey man, we got to like program in some core values for, you know, um, human decency and that sort of stuff. So it doesn't try to kill the world. Right. Um, but on, but on <laughs> I the just other watched side, my robot last night. <laughs> oh my gosh, man. I don't know if I can ever watch anything with Will Smith the same ever again. I don't oh, know why. Wow. I just, ah, oh, I don't know. It's unfortunate. Uh, it is. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, I can't look at Chris Rock either, so it's, I guess it's both ways. Um, uh, anyways, so the other side you of that, know, right? Actually, so, Joe, Joe, I got. Hey, so how do you find Will? How do you find Will Smith in Antarctica? You follow the Fresh Prince. Ah, <laughs> ah, ah, <laughs> ah, ah. I think I actually have that in my dad joke book. <laughs> yeah, I was waiting. As soon as I heard it, it popped up into my head. I love those dad jokes. I get I get constant like uh, emails. Uh, with with different ones every day, it's amazing. Nice, yeah, man. I'm I'm a I'm a fan. So uh, the other thing of this though, I just have to get on my my uh, bandwagon is I feel like AI is the new BIM, where people don't understand it and they do predictive analytics and then call it AI, or they do some sort of basic scripting and call it AI. It's it's empty. There's no intelligence to it. Just like there's no I in your geometry, there's no information. It's not BIM, it's geometry, dude. Um, any, anyway, sorry. Uh, no, dude, uh, Jordan and I talked about that great, earlier. That was a great analogy. I, I, I really think so. I, I, um, the information that you put into the model makes it, and the information that you put into that environment, I would think, would make it as well. Because if you don't put anything into it, what's it, what is it going to do? What's it going to know? How is it going to know? um you know how to make those those decisions i, I definitely agree um i i think i was trying to think of an example because i'm learning as you guys are talking about it too even just thinking about it and uh you know churning thoughts through you know how can we actually apply this to to the construction field and actually use it in actual applications one thing that came to mind was uh, e even the variations between, you know, predictive analytics uh, or directing AI versus just open AI, where it's able to kind of analyze and do things kind of its own unique way in ways that we're going to actually learn uh, from the AI systems because it does things we didn't think of. Um, a simple example, semi-simple example that I thought of was uh, just using AI for a mechanical system within a building. Uh, so let's say we take Revit and we tell AI, hey, build a VRF system based on the parameters of the, the volumes of each room and the conditioning on this building, and we're setting values. It's creating like a structured environment that AI has to play within the realm of. 
but an open AI system, almost like you can load in the spec books, you can load in, uh, you know, AIA standards, you can load in uh, geographical positioning, and it's taking all this data and factoring it into a, a more diverse, and you're just leaving it open, hey, figure out the best system for this building to increase efficiencies and be within this dollar range and value, and uh, being able to use those to really just broadly analyze the entire structure and system around everything uh, just seems like a way where we're going to learn things as this kind of grows and develops. And some of the traditional construction values or processes may uh, not necessarily become obsolete, but definitely uh, be changed in the future based on these AI predictions. I, I, well, I want to take agree, that a man, step especially further. as you. Well, I was going to say, is think about smart cities. You know, we have conversations there with smart cities and how we eventually want all of this data to tie together. And I mean, if you think about that, when you're tying in AI in terms of open or, you know, a a, a, um, a focused kind of parameter driven, um, dude, I think it's, I think it'd be awesome. You know, it's, 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 it is awesome to think about. Let's say we're giving it, you know, the exact location. It knows that city. It knows the 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 current um, demand on the systems, even let's say like this, the plumbing or the sewage systems, the, the whatever it is in that environment, the electricity, what have you, uh, being able to analyze and say, you know what, this is what's gonna, this is the materials that are gonna do best on this side of the building. This is uh, for how many people, let's say, this is the you know uh, amount of rooms or bathrooms that this facility on the existing systems can can hold. I mean, that in itself would save us so much. I mean, you think about right now, dude, I can't even tell you, driving through Indiana, how many fields I see being, you know, or, or woods being changed into subdivisions, right? And they're just constantly being added and added. And I remember I was, when I was living in Sandy, Oregon, they had such a big problem with that that Sandy actually contracted its um, its water, um, water recycling to Portland. And they actually had a lot of demand, a lot more demand on that system than Portland was actually ready to accommodate because they, they took in a lot of other cities, I think. And so they actually needed to do an increase there based on the amount of growth that everybody else was doing. They had to invest in another project to, to increase the size of it. And it's, it's things like that, that that can essentially empower us to make those the better decisions, kind of, I think, during the design, oh, excuse me, during the design, uh, but actually, you know, the construction facilities, everything. I mean, it, it goes a long way. It really does. There's so many ways we could use that technology, too. So I want to get back to your uh, smart cities point in a second, but I, I did want to hit on what Jordan said. Uh, I want to take his analogy a step further. So um, the first scenario sounded more like generative design, which could be bleeding into yep. an AI system, more predictive analytics. Again, you set criteria um, and then it gives you different iterations and you kind of select based on your, your, it's part human, it's a hybrid approach, right? Part human, part computer. You're still, you know, choosing which selection, which layout looks the best. The second part, maybe is the part that needs to be taken a little further, I think. In an open AI system, it would analyze with all those parameters that you give it. You know, we need this for optimal airflow. It knows this, you know, based off of human condition, whatever. Um, but 
instead of just looking at how it can best design the system uh, to, you know, to get the airflow and, and all that sort of stuff for the spaces to meet certain codes, it might actually take it a step further and say your design for your air handling units are highly inefficient. And actually, if you created it this and it like gives you a new freaking uh, system, like it just created new components to make your system more efficient to meet the standards and specs within the tolerances that you had given, like it thought beyond the constraints that you had given it. That to me is like real open AI. Heck yeah. I mean, can you even imagine using something like that just to, to search for equipment, to search for, you know, maybe making a purchase or something like that. And just, <laughs> it goes and it, it analyzes everything and gives you exactly which ones um, would fit your exact situation the best? Well, that's definitely going to happen first on the purchasing side, but not necessarily on the construction purchasing side. We're going to see AI more ingrained in, uh, you know, websites like Amazon and all that sort of stuff that help guide you to a purchase and get you the clicks on the YouTube links <laughs> and those algorithms. Like that's where AI is really going to pop off because there's marketing revenue behind it. Um, I don't think... I think ChatGPT, in my mind, is the first one to really come uh, come along with a broad pen and just say, here's a B2B and almost a consumer to consumer, consumer to business, business to consumer type, uh, you know, use for chat for for AI. You just figured out how you want to use it, and it'll do whatever you want. So it's like a step further. Like it's it's so much better. Like the Internet of Things. Jordan, you and I chatted about this earlier. How it's you know, kind of the underdog, but also kind of over talked about in some instances. Um, the Internet of Things re uh, hasn't really been adopted in mass because there hasn't been a, a smart switch system that is just easy to use. I mean, there's a lot of them out there. Don't get me wrong. That monitor your, your building with sensors. But like there's no uh, intelligence behind it. There's no real AI. AI could be a, a good use case there as well. Like your building has AI, your building has a Jarvis, you know? Yeah, right. We're getting into Marvel. Yeah, dude. Hell yeah. I mean, if your building could tell, could tell you how it's performing in ways that it could do better, are you kidding me? Or you you tell it like, hey, we're gonna we we are hiring this many more employees. We need this much more space. Uh, will our current systems handle it, or how should I, how should I adapt? How should I grow? Um, dude, I was gonna say. And then say, it's all. We are buying the space next door. Knock down this wall. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, did you guys know Google's actually coming out with um, competition for ChatGPT? It has its own tool. Called, yeah, uh, they've been Bar. working on it forever. But yeah, they've been working on it forever. It's just um, it was never it, it, it was so far away and not ready to release mainstream Chap GPT is not ready for mainstream, but what they did is they said, let's get this in front of people and let them figure out how they want to use it. And then it'll get smart just based off of all the data they put into it. Hmm. And Chinchilla. Chinchilla is three times the size of OpenAI's Chat GPT 3. So there's a lot of these out here, man. OpenAI Playground. There's a lot of these out here um, that kind of rival or, or, or are like chat GPT. That's exciting to see. Yeah, I think the biggest thing with this is um, the database behind it. So 
Uh, essentially, whenever you're typing something into the queue where it's trying to uh, pull information out of uh, basically an extremely large either search engine or database on the back end. So uh, that's when you run into issues or not issues, but uh, you run into situations like Google releasing their own chat GBT. And, uh, you know, they have they've been a search engine for so long. They have these huge databases behind them uh, that they just load into the AI software and basically pull um, everything out. But uh, one of the interesting things I've actually seen, because uh, I've been following this chat GPT thing for the last couple months here, is the uh, kind of the restrictions and everything that they're putting on uh, the search engines as well. Uh, I feel like this is just the battle of the search engines again. You know, chat GPT yeah. is this unique software that can kind of generate anything based on how you're asking it. Uh, pulls a lot of different data, but I really think this is just the next step into the, uh, you know, next iteration of search engines using, uh, you know, AI language models and, and just pulling and analyzing large amounts of data sets. But uh, yeah, obviously Google and Alphabet, they're, they're, they're the kings at the moment. And uh, I definitely think they're going to probably still hold the industry, but I'm definitely interested to see where this ends up going. Yeah, me too. And the more, the more apps that come out there, the more competition there is the more exciting it gets for me personally just because you, when you start to see that you generally start to see people like the actual industry the industry itself gets better <clears throat> mostly because when someone's making good tools i mean and, and another company wants to compete against that they have to make good tools as well but they want to make a difference so they they want to try to do something different and i, I really think it's that difference that again kind of makes everything so awesome in this industry because we start learning and seeing how else we can use these tools or what else it can do i think it'd be interesting also with, with all these ais kind of popping up um and like we're saying the databases being you have to take time to load them and i think uh recently i'm not sure if it's updated yet but uh chat gpt said uh, as I was using it, was saying, you know, I only have information up to, you know, 2021 because that's all we've been able to load into this. It'd be interesting to see if uh, some open AI chatbots uh, like ChatGPT or even a combination with some of the other ones, like Joey was saying, for, uh, you know, building engineering and things like that, kind of niche down into very specific topics, almost like, hey, we're the AAC open AI platform uh, where it's just focused on loading in as much BIM data as it is, getting everything up to date, uh, and seeing these chat uh, bots essentially end up in these, you know, maybe end up in a paywall market almost, where people are paying to use the services of that chat bot. I mean, we're seeing it right now with chat GPT, yep. but it's like specific to a, a software or a realm or an industry where it has so much data up to date. It's always going to be the latest mm -hmm. for that specific industry. And if you want to see the latest data with that and the latest, uh, use the latest tools, it's all within that. I, I definitely think that'd be interesting um, and probably not out of the realm of possibilities on things we see. No, dude, actually, I think that's a really, really good idea because that's, I mean, that's pretty much exactly how G chat GPT works. You have to pay to play so much. Um, if we had something like that focused on the construction industry, on schedules, on deliverables, on designs, on, well, you name it. I mean, I think in the AEC industry in general, I think that'd be huge. All right. But, no now who, at the no. same time i think that would be small enough though because you know it's funny but joe and i talk about this it's it's a small world like <clears throat> if we think about bim 
in all reality, um, how many, what, what, what would be the percentage of people, the percentage of population on, on the earth that you think would know, you know, or, or deal with BIM data? It's very small, right? A hundred percent. Yeah. We're all, it's, it's funny, but we're all so connected and it's such a small kind of industry. I think we really could uh, exceed or excel with, with uh, a, some, some of that, the, a tool like that is what I want to say, uh, focused on the AEC industry itself. Yeah, I feel like that'd be awesome. Um, now we just need to build one of these and, you know, patent it and put it behind a paywall. And you know, we, we <laughs> will we be the Brewing with BIM chatbot AI. And there we go. Our next brilliant <laughs> yeah. idea. Uh, Ask any of your like BIM or construction man. technology questions. Feed you an answer. Yeah, I, I was going to say, <laughs> we're going to, once we see the industry start shifting and calling their uh, BIM technicians, BIM anal uh, analysts, that that's definitely analysts, when we know. Yeah, yeah definitely uh, when we know AI is taking over the industry there. So so there was this, uh, there's this company, and I'm not going to out them. They do um, aerial pho photogrammetry, but they, uh, you provide them with your aerials, and they, like if you're flying over a building, they'll create the um, floor plan, AutoCAD layout, whatever, from from that. And it's supposed to be automated, but they don't have it fully automated. They don't really even have it halfway automated. Uh, this is like two years ago, so maybe it's changed since then. But what they were doing is they were having people on the back end just, you know, do it all from by themselves, like manual processes uh, with the uh, guise that it was an automated process. Um, uh, kind of misleading. But I feel like, here's my point, if I set up some kind of fake chat GPT thing, and as long as we're responsive enough, we can make it seem like it was us. <laughs> Somebody would be like, we can make it seem like it's chat GPT. Same thing. It's just what? really me, Jeffrey, and, and Jordan on the back end typing back to people. <laughs> just taking shifts. <laughs> hey, it BWB, <laughs> what's the difference between Digital Twin and BIM? Digital Twin is garbage. It's just a term. Marketing, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. I was going to say, that, now you're making me think OpenAI might be that. Because, you know, every time you try to get on, people might and people are sleeping. Or it's probably like, hey, the queue's too high right now. We won't let you in. They ran out of people <laughs> on their call center. Right. <laughs> oh, man. No, if only somebody needs to create funny. a short, like a funny comic about that. Yeah. Yeah. Jordan, no how are you with good. animation? Uh, no good with animation. Even worse with acting. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but no, man, I think this is an exciting time for construction. I mean, you know, we, we talked about it while ago and I, I think we're going to continue to move down this path of integrations i mean that's 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 got to be the biggest thing about your cdes about your you know data environments in general they they have to be able to integrate otherwise it's a data silo right and it's it, we're seeing it more and more people are, are migrating away from those just because of how hard it is to deal with data and, and sharing that data, searching for the data. I mean, but the problem is too, even if they have a good data environment and they have things on, um, essentially they, they have filters or they have things, ways that they, they know they can search through the documents, whether it's naming standards or what have you. Um, a lot of times it is difficult to maintain 
versioning inside of those environments, but also the actual file integrity itself. Um, not even just that, but having the, the threat of members placing it on their local environment and then just, you know, <clears throat> loading it back up as they kind of need to, which just does all kinds of wonders for your versioning as well. Um, it's just, it's kind of nuts, but I, I, at the same time, again, I'm, I'm really excited to see where we're going and how we're making these integrations more mainstream, right? In all reality, that's, that's what is happening, I think. We're, we're seeing more and more of these integrations becoming mainstream and, and more of the main conversation that we have. I mean, shoot, if you think about back with the, them 360, Joe, we, <clears throat> we had, I mean, we would have a few conversations about integrations here and there. I mean, mainly it was for, let's say, layout and, you know, data going out here, data going out there. But, um, you know, occasionally we'd talk about an ERP or occasionally we'd talk about something, you know, Raken or, or some of the other applications out there that we could connect to. But it, it almost seems like every week <laughs> this year I am having a conversation about, about integrations and about different connections that we're making and automations that are being set up within these integrations. Um, it, it really is, it's awesome to see. And I mean, I'm, I'm just seeing the list of, you know, current integrations, it keeps growing and growing and growing. And um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty cool to be a part of, but you're also seeing that on, on the flip side of that, it is a necessity. Right. You need to start looking at your environment to integrate. If it cannot integrate, then you need to look to move. Or can I, or, can I play Dave Devil's Advocate for you? Yeah. So out of all those integrations that you've seen, how many of them have been purely marketing BS for and not actually solving a specific need? All they're really doing is a one-way push uh, of data or something like that. How many of them are purely did it from a marketing sales point to say they had an integration? And how many of them are actually meaningful? My, my, what I'd love to see is the analytics behind how frequently each one of those integrations is used. Um, yeah. And and, I, and hear me out. I Again, I got a point. I know the devil's advocate side. I'm not trashing it. What I'm saying, mm -hmm. though, is I feel like all of that stuff, all those first ones that came to to play were kind of the, I don't know, I don't want to say beta or whatever, but they were they were the easier, uh, the people that wanted to get on the marketing side that wanted to announce they had an integration or they wanted, um, you know, to get behind the Autodesk branding for whatever reason or, you know, they, they for, you know, foresaw a potential loss in market share if they didn't connect. Um, and they're just connecting a similar system, you know, that <laughs> Autodesk Construction Cloud already does to their system that, you know, does the same thing, but only in one aspect. So, like, how many of them are actually usable? How many of them are being used and are great and, you know, are, are amazing little plugins that are people are using? I'd love to get this feedback from customers. I, I just don't know. <laughs> you know, I know people oh, yeah. use Raken. I know a few, you know, a few of them are being used, but, like, how, what is that number? Like, and how are you using it differently? And you know what what is the meaningful piece that it's providing? That said, I think we're today, starting today, I feel like we are having the conversation of what does the meaningful integration look like? Because all of the people 
all of the companies that have the data that all these different people are using all have their own CDE. And now we're getting to a point where it's not just connecting your endpoint user-driven software to another CDE. It's now, how do we transition from this uh, siloed CDE to your endpoint system to making two different CDEs talk and share data because you guys are competitors and you're each not building the tools to make us talk because you're, again, your competitors, you see no benefits to that. And that's where companies like DCW and, and, and you know, uh, even tools that we're yeah. working on out of the box, like Work Auto yeah. and uh, Toric and all that sort of stuff that actually have the meaningful integrations, low code, no code. Yes, there is code, but, uh, you know, for a lot of these, non um, but you're, out of the but you're right dude you're right though i mean so that is a, that is a really really good point in terms of having a conversation about integrations i mean it's like it's like getting a bim or saying that you want a bim model and not you know knowing what what lod or what what data that you need inside of that model what information is going to be important to you um, but you used revit so you got right. bim <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Bimf. Surprise. Bimf. I don't know, man. I think I like your bimf. Uh, I thought it sounded cool because um, I don't know. Maybe think of milf or something. I don't know why, but it, <laughs> the, at the end, uh, milf? it got me. I was like, this is a funny word. Bimf. Oh my God. But in, you know, bamf. I'm thinking about it. It's it's bamf. There you go, bamf. It makes me think of bim uh, for facilities, which is a real topic and a real important one. That said, f bim. Makes me think of like you're saying F BIM, F U BIM, but fake BIM. Fake BIM. Fake BIM. BIM. <laughs> I love BIM after dark, man. I miss our, uh, <laughs> evil BIM, BIM and all that dark. stuff. <laughs> yeah, you, you never followed BIM after dark? No, I don't think I followed BIM after dark. Wow. I, I said BIM after dark, but I was thinking evil BIM. But uh, BIM after dark is great too. Yeah, I actually oh, caught dude. a few of uh, his episodes when I was looking into the the stuff on Twin Motion. He, I, I'm pretty sure that account's still active. I haven't followed it in a while, so uh, I'll have to check it out. Nice, heck yeah. Nah, dude. I mean, uh, <laughs> in all honesty, that's that's kind of what I've seen too. But this is, um, no, like, in all honesty, I've been able to get into the well work auto environment and look at the integrations there. Now, <clears throat> I have seen the value personally um, in terms of pulling or connecting to separate competitive data environments. I won't name names. One starts with a P and the other starts with an A. And you can connect these together. You know, you can sync and set up automation. So I see, I see the value there. But, but this is a big but, and this is where I kind of got to go back to your point too, Joe, a meaningful integration. We also have to push back on these software developers, the website owners, or, you know, their, their developers, because the API endpoints that they have for their website, for their software, they have to be meaningful in, in terms of like, I've seen one and I'm not calling anybody out here. I'm not calling anybody out, but the building connected API, it is literally a push. It is meant to push data out. It does not pull data in. So there are certain things where it's like, I don't, why is it a one way? Why is, why are these APIs not both ways? Why can we not push and pull data? That is, that is to me when it, I mean, now at some points we can have this conversation, of course, um, about 
you know, what flow of data makes sense. Maybe you want it to just push, you don't want it to pull, you know, different things like that. There's always those different, um, oh gosh, scenarios for what you need it to do. But in all reality, we need these APIs or in all reality, the software, the websites, we need them to have open APIs and we need them to be meaningful. We need to be essentially wanting to integrate because that, when you can push and pull data to that environment, that to me is when it becomes a, a meaningful integration, right? Because that means I'm fully connected. Now, if you, if, if obviously, if we're pulling, let's say we're pushing something from our ERP and we don't want random data coming back in, Okay, I, I understand. Now, I would love to actually get something like cost management or something hooked up just as a tool to benefit to see the actuals, to see you know what's going on in the day-to-day -day or week-to-week, -week, month to month, what have you, for these different projects to be able to pull those numbers. But again, it's gonna be what's, what's valuable to you, right? What's valuable to the project and what's valuable to that stakeholder. So Viewpoint is the number one used ERP in construction. Uh, there's some other ones like Foundation, Sage, CMIC, all that sort of stuff. Quick, not course. many. Oh, quick! Oh my gosh, firms sub twenty million dollars all use QuickBooks for whatever reason. Um, you know, it's just a hard. You know, once you have an it's ERP, like it's hard to get away. Steroids a little bit. Not even it, it steroids. Is, it is. It's just. It's like, I guess. It's, yeah. it's Excel on Botox. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's a good analogy. Yeah, I like that one. It, it's um so like there's all these different ERP systems that people are hard to, it's hard for to get off them because there's businesses built around it. You are changing the way they do business. So having a yep. system integrate with their accounting, while it might may reduce redundant data entry, it's always scary. So like I've chatted with a lot of firms that are like, yeah, yeah, we want an integration. And then when it comes push comes to shove, it's like, well, no, no, no. What we want is it to export to this, and then we want the option to, do, you know, push that data. And it's like, well, that's not an integration. That's that's an export, and you're getting a validation check. If you want a streamlined integration, um, I mean, you almost need to have the Q, the QA, QC process built into the data that's going into the system. Um, I don't know. Yep. There's, I'm not the right person to chat with about it. I just, it's, I, well, I hear it, it takes time to have those those conversations too, dude. You gotta sit down and have those conversations. You gotta figure out what is meaningful to who and who needs what. And and honestly, that's the best way to do it is to map it all out first. Know what you want, where you want the data to go, where you want the stops at. Because if you want to protect, like like Joey was saying, if you want the ERP, you want that to be protected from different data points. Cool. Okay, we we put up we can put up those barriers, but. The other pieces where data needs to free flow back and forth, have those conversations for all of the different stakeholders involved in a construction project. I mean, it's, it's so funny how I, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I think having people say their wants and needs and what they have to have is, it's a bit tricky because we, I've sat through some consulting in the past where an ERP consultant comes in. Back when we were a different company, we were vetting ERP systems, comes in and charges you, you know, thousands of dollars to sit there for two days, talk about all the things that you need to have, and then your wish list. 
But at the end of the day, they come back to you with this grandiose, preposterously overwhelming, overcomplicated thing that doesn't make sense. But really what needed to happen, um, a consultant that had your best interests at heart would have came and said, all right, you can pick five things as a group, five things that are crucial. Everything else is a want. Give me those five things. And it will force people to kind of take a look back and, and you know, oh, my gosh, we can't live without this. No, no, we can't live without this because it ties into this. Yep. And then people will start talking about why it's important. And then you'll start to realize, no, 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 that's not really important. Or why is that important? And who is it important to? You know, how many pieces does this how many how many pieces of our company does this one one thing of data or this, you know, whatever it is, how many how many does this go to? And who all finds this valuable? I mean, uh, yeah, dude, those conversations, I think, are huge. Um, I, I also think, though, that, like you said, a lot of it is, is it's hard to figure out because there's a lot of wants, there's a lot of needs. I, I think you got to wade, you got to kind of, in my mind, what more my mind goes to is the medium, right? You got to find the middle ground of it. You're, you're never going to get all of the full highs, you don't obviously want to go too low. You don't want to go to the lows, um, but <clears throat> you're never going to get everything, every single thing that you want. We would love for, for every piece of technology that we have or everything in our lives to be completely perfect. But there's, there's always things that we're going to have to adjust to or adapt to, you know, a little bit here and there. Um, I, I think it's the same way. You know, it's just, it takes some, it it takes someone that is, I think, mindful of, you know, the client's goals, their wants and needs, but also mindful of, of reality and not trying to upcharge people. That's, that's a lot of, you know, in, in terms of trying to build something more than, than what they need because, because they can, you know what I this mean? Is- and, and in all... Oh, this is why firms like Steel Toe Consulting are important to the construction industry. I mean, there's several of them like it, but uh, Jonathan Marsh from Contact Trio um, or mm-hmm. uh, Con- Construction Dorks is a new one. Sorry, he's on that. Um, but like their company, like they go in and analyze the tech stack for a construction firm and kind of like they're not selling it. They're just telling you what you need and why you need it. And for your business type based off of, you know, things they've seen in the industry, it's industry experience. Yes. Like that's crucial, man. Because otherwise, what happens is when everybody says all they want all these bells and whistles, what you're left with at the end of the day are bells and whistles, meaningless bells and whistles. <laughs> yep. They it's want all the Christmas so ornaments. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, no I, that's a great no, analogy. Chris. Yeah, I was gonna say they want all the Christmas ornaments, but no Christmas tree. <laughs> oh man, no, that was a good one. That was a good one. I like it. I I I completely agree. The graphic for this one is going to be like a Christmas vacation, um, National Lampoon's Christmas vacation image or something, just because you said that now. <laughs> All right. Uh, I have one last thing, as long as we don't have any other topics. I, don't I think, think so, we've ran it. You're good. You're, we've okay. ran it enough. Hit so it. so the, the last thing I wanted to kind of end on was uh, I did get into chat GPT as we were uh, pulling this up, and I just asked it the very simple question. What is the Brewing with BIM podcast? So I just wanted to read what it generated back. Uh, I did look over our website and some of our content as well, just to make sure uh, it wasn't just pulling some random, uh, you know, piece that we had already written, but it didn't. It wrote its own uh, synopsis of us. 
So the Brewing with BIM podcast is dedicated to discussing building information, BIM technology, and its applications in architectural engineering and construction industry, AEC. The podcast covers various topics related to BIM, including software and technology updates, industry trends and challenges, project case studies, and interviews with industry experts and thoughtful leaders. The podcast aims to educate and aspire AEC professionals to enhance their skills and knowledge in BIM and to promote the adoption of BIM technology in the industry. We need to copy and paste that shit. To I was going to say. <laughs> right I love that. It, it, I love it's that all too. open. It, it's, yeah. uh, you know, you ask it the question, it gives you everything. So I, it's all open, non-copyrighted information, which I, I think is absolutely crazy as well. Uh, I don't want to get into another tangent, but uh, a lot of a lot of the education systems worried because you can just put in, hey, write me a five paragraph book report oriented towards a five year old's writing on, uh, I don't know, Phineas and Ferb chapter 37. I, I'm making up book titles here, but I could definitely Harry the platypus. Let's go. <laughs> I was going to say uh, a lot, a lot of stuff uh, happening where you kind of have to assess now and a whole stream of new issues in in various uh, industries where uh, it's just kind of like, Hey, who actually did this work? But you know, it's a tool it's out there to be used. And um, I, I definitely encourage everyone to, to look into this. Uh, just like we were talking about earlier, you know, change is a, a little bit slow. Um, I almost feel like we're entering an era of the dot-com bubble where, you know, you're going to see hundreds, if not thousands of these uh, chatbot systems pop up. You're always going to have the industry leaders. And, you know, at the end of the day, five, 10 years from now, uh, we're going to see a lot of them come crashing down. And uh, what's left, hopefully, is going to be uh, world-changing technology. And I'm definitely excited to see the direction it takes going to be whoever google and apple buy and amazon <laughs> that's and fair yeah and, and tesla amazon. if elon musk is mm. still around yeah yeah uh thank you everyone out there in uh the bwb world there everybody thank you for listening thank you for checking us out and as always if you guys have any feedback uh feel free to, to shoot us a message if you want to join the podcast we've had a number of requests come in um, we're excited to get other people on the podcast to have these interviews, these insightful interviews. I thought that description was awesome, Jordan. I was trying to reach back to that one there for a minute. <laughs> but <laughs> thought leaders, you know, I think I think um, we're pretty excited for uh, for the future here for the next few months, for the next year, honestly. And and uh, again, thank you all for for listening. Thank you, David. And thank thank you, you, Joey. Jordan, and thank you, Joey. Yeah. Thank have a great you. evening, everyone. Thank you.